It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Dairy Gold Agri, your solution to all your farm needs. Welcome to our program. I'm John O'Connor. Amongst the items coming up, fertilizer usage set for major change. Farmers encouraged to attend IFA branch meetings and vote for the next president. The ICMSA holds their 209th AGM in Limerick on 29th of November. Dairy Gold, our sponsor, confirms the October milk price. Dairy Gold confirms that its base price for October milk supplies, based on standard constituents of 3.3 protein and 3.6% butterfat, inclusive of VAT and bonuses, is 29.19 cents per litre, unchanged on the September milk price. This equates to an average farm gate milk price of 37.97 cents per litre, based on average October milk solids achieved by Dairy Gold suppliers for all milk supplied to Dairy Gold. And that's a Dairy Gold confirming the October milk price. In connection with the Local Authority Waters programme, a community meeting will be held in Clonakilty Parish Centre on 26th of November between 7.30pm and 9pm. All welcome to attend. Water quality issues have been identified in Clonakilty Harbour and Bay and people are invited to a community meeting to be part of the solution. The meeting will include an overview of why the harbour and bay were selected as a priority area for action and will include staff from the local authority waters programme. The meeting is open to all and will include a question and answer session with an opportunity for informal discussion during tea and coffee after the meeting. And that's a community meeting on the theme of what's happening in Clonakilty Harbour and Bay. Venue for the meeting, Clonakilty Parish Centre, 26th of November 2019, between 7.30pm and 9pm. All welcome to attend. And a community meeting under the auspices of the Local Authority Waters Programme will be held in Rathbury Parish Hall on 3rd of December, between 7.30pm and 9pm, to discuss the issue of what's happening in Kilkerran Lake, theme, what's happening in Kilkerran Lake, linked to water quality. Water quality issues have been identified in Kilkerran Lake and the public are invited to a community meeting to be part of the solution. The meeting will include an overview of why the lake was selected as a priority area for action and will include staff from the Local Authority Waters Programme. The meeting is open to all and will include a question and answer session 
and an opportunity for informal discussion during tea and coffee after the meeting. And that meeting, 3rd of December, venue Rathbury Parish Hall, 7.30pm to 9pm. All welcome to attend. Mr Barry Cassidy, news correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal. First of all, Barry, welcome to the programme. Changes might be coming to fertiliser usage based on your article in this week's journal. Yeah, so first off, I, I suppose the reason why fertiliser used to be targeted is due to the ammonia that comes off the nitrogen when it's spread. So this is a particular concern because Ireland has breached its ammonia ceiling target for the last two or three years in a row now at this point. So it's something that we need to kind of get under control. Uh, in order to do that, the government has proposed a number of changes. First of all, they're starting with CAN. So CAN is probably the most, one of the most used uh, fertiliser sources out there. Uh, they want to see half those, half those sales of CAN replaced by protected urea which is basically a form of urea with an added ingredient that stops the, uh, the ammonia being volatilized and being released very quickly the moment after fertilizer is spread, just reducing those emissions. Uh, overall, the government wants to see the use of urea replaced fully with the use of protected urea by 2025 at the latest. So I guess these are big changes for farmers. I mean, we're using approximately 400,000 tonnes of fertiliser every year. And of that, about 3.5% is protected urea. So that's, an off, that's going to be an awful big change. Now, we see the ongoing debate on various radio stations and sometimes on the national broadcaster. And the farmers um, are reportedly aggrieved that they seem to be under attack. But in the minister's um, press release dated 20th November 2019, he points out, the Minister for Agriculture, Mr Creed, as agriculture is responsible for approximately 99% of ammonia emissions it's vital that the agri-food sector would continue to build on the good work achieved to date and by following the four R principles, using the right nutrient source at the right rate and at the right time and at the right place. So the farmers, they really have a very, very responsible role in helping reduce ammonia emissions, uh, the so-called code of good practice for reducing ammonia emissions from agriculture. So... To be fair to the farmers, uh, they are seen as responsible for a lot of uh, ammonia emission coming from their enterprises. And the sooner we recognise that and change it, well, the more understanding there'll be of the farmers' uh, terrible problems with beef prices, etc., etc. Yeah, I mean, and look, as you say, they're 99%, which in a way can be a good thing too, because we're completely in control of our own destiny here, in that... You know, there, it isn't that this is a, a something we can change. You know, we can make changes to improve this. So, I mean, if we look at things like changing how we spread our slurry, moving from splash plates towards training shoes, not only is that going to reduce our ammonia emissions, but it's also going to enhance our grass growth. So, in a way, it's a, it's a win-win for both sides involved, uh, using our fertiliser, as I mentioned, their right nutrients in the right place. I mean, that is only going to help increase efficiency and at the end, deliver fertiliser sales to, to fer- reduce fertiliser, you know, the amount of fertiliser that farmers are buying and using is going to deliver back to the farmer's bottom line. I mean, we're looking at things that plant in sort of mixed species swords, incorporating clover into our swords. All those things are, are positive changes on farm as well. So not only are we combating, as you said there, what society is, is kind of looking for now in that tackling this environmental problem, but we're also, you know, improving our farm businesses at the same time. And again, to safeguard farmers from unjust accusations, if they take the line of action that you've proposed there, uh, Barry, the Minister again referring to that rather long um, press release from the Department 20th of November 
Minister Creed says, and this would be a huge push and good investment for our exports, the quote there is, as food producers and farmers, we have a tremendous reputation internationally in terms of the sustainability of the food and drink we produce, and this is something that we can be immensely proud of, and in order to preserve our reputation of Ireland's green image, we must address ammonia losses to the environment over the next decade. And the Minister said he had a great confidence in Irish farmers. He said, I have no doubt Irish farmers will embrace this challenge head-on. So farmers, as you've mentioned earlier yourself, Barry, they have the power within them to carry out the necessary changes and boost production of grass and boost production in their own sector. Yeah, I mean, look, if you step on any Irish farm, I don't think you can argue that we aren't some of the greenest agriculture in all of Europe, if not the world. I mean, what we have here is so unique in our grass-based production. So I guess what we're being asked to do is, is almost embrace that more and go down more and more that line, rely less on our chemical fertilizer and more on natural sources that we're using correctly and using efficiently. But, I mean, the more we do that, the better it is going to be for us. I mean, when you're trying to sell abroad, you know, you're talking about consumers who are who are more environmentally conscious and they're probably willing to pay a bit more for a product. Now, look, we haven't seen that yet. As, as you've mentioned earlier, I mean, beef price is still in a very bad place. Lamb price is not much better. Um, dairy, of course, you know, you know, their milk price is, is relatively okay now. But I guess farmers feel that we're, we're being told that, you know, we're very green, we're the most efficient in the world. But I feel like farmers aren't being rewarded for that yet. But if we embrace that change and we go down the line and we make ourselves more and more carbon efficient, more, you know, lower emissions. And, and you know, we can really sell ourselves then as, as the group that has really embraced what people are asking us to do. If farmers can embrace those changes, which they'll benefit from themselves, if they can do that voluntarily and not continue in some cases to argue the toss as regards the amount of ammonia emissions that agriculture is responsible for, well, in that way, you might be preempting any plans at EU level to ever more closely link payments to the environment and fertiliser, etc. If we are seen to be doing things and understand why we're doing them with an enlightened self-interest, well, then we're less likely to have compulsory links between environment, fertiliser, use, etc., and the very important basic payment and other schemes, etc. Those payments are going to become more and more linked to environmental measures. But again, that can be a positive thing. I mean, it's a way of guaranteeing that you're going to deliver those supports. And these changes, they're not just all going to happen voluntarily. It's, it's like everything, if you want to affect change, there's multiple ways of doing it. You know, you have to incentivize farmers, and we've seen that in the likes of TAMS, where people have been, you know, given support to invest in low emission slurry spreading equipment. You know, you're, you will see a regulation element to it, to it as well. Uh, you know, you, you see that in your nitrate derogation. You know, people do have limits to stay within. So it's a, a combination of everything. But we really do have to, you know, farmers, and I think that they really do understand, you know, what is happening. Like, if you talked five years ago, you know, carbon sequestration and all these kind of things, these were foreign terms to farmers. But I really do feel that, you know, through a mix of, you know, incentives, better regulation, you know, better knowledge transfer as well, uh, we can really deliver these changes. And a great selling point for our food abroad and our food and our environment would be the Minister's announcement of a four-year continuation of the ACP's Agricultural Catchments uh, Programme, where that might be linked uh, very closely to an extension of the derogation for intensive farmers. So if we use the tools available, it's quite possible that our agriculture 
could come you know, relatively unscathed from some of the pretty horrific things that have been happening internationally. We saw there a dairy day in Punchestown where a huge percentage of New Zealand farmers, people who had very large herds, they in fact were up to their gills, some of them up to their neck in debt, etc. So if we are careful and carry out these things before we are forced to do it, well then it would be a great selling point and continue to keep our hugely vital industry because even in the financial crisis that happened 2007-2008 when everything was lost apparently we had agriculture 8-9 billion so finally point people to your article by Mr Barry Casty news correspondent in this week's edition of the Irish Farmers Journal fertiliser usage set for major change we'd advise people to read that Barry thank you very much for your patience and that comprehensive overview thank you Barry thank you John we are joined on the farm programme by Mr. Dole Hurley, a dairy farmer from the Dunmanway area of uh, Cork West. Dole, welcome to the programme. Now, there's a very interesting scheme. I believe it's uh, operated in conjunction with the Heritage Council of Ireland, revival of old buildings, stone buildings, etc., as opposed to concrete buildings. Now, you have some experience of this scheme. I understand you applied for it. It involves the old fire buildings. Uh, the inspector comes out and examines the building, and they judge it on its merits. And if it can pass over 60% of their reckoning, you will qualify them for a 75% grant. But the head from the Heritage Council of Ireland, which will be paid by the Department of Agriculture, but the Heritage Council of Ireland must recommend the grant, 75% of the overall cost. You have to be a glass farmer to qualify. That's number one. And you have to use as much old material as is possible in the building. My experience is all positive so far, but I don't, not fair yet. But the farmers will have to apply. The scheme is only open, I'd say, for maybe two weeks in January. It closes up, and if you're not in in those two weeks, you won't qualify. They'll judge you on this medicine. Even if you go in, you may not qualify because there's only so much money set aside, and they'll base it on that, and they'll take so many people. And that's basically, if you get in, then they will monitor you all the way through. You can't go into a building if there's that's inside and all of that, all those things. So have you ever seen one of the buildings restored and did you feel it was a very good idea that it turned out very nice and here was a building dating back many years but at the same time it was sound and it could have a useful purpose again linked to agriculture? It could have, yeah. I have seen a few of them from the outside but not internally. In the case of my own, it was falling down, it was overgrown with ivy and the roof had collapsed in and the joists and everything had collapsed in. So before I did anything, I got onto the council and they looked at it first of all. Then I cleared it all out, everything. The roof was totally rotten, the joists, the floors, everything was rotten. It took a long time to get all the ivy down off it. But the stonework was absolutely perfect. And the heritage council examined all the stonework and told me what to do. I had to use old timber if I could get it. And I used what I could spare from the house. I also had to use special type of lime arthur. Mixed with a pigment, which is a colouring stuff that I got down in Yarhall, you could not use cement. And it was a slow job because the proper lime art will take about 48 hours to settle in. So, And you can't use it either in cold weather or very wet weather. So there is a bit of work to it, but at the end of the day, it's a lovely looking building now for anyone to see. It's all done by the Heritage Council. And they recommend you, and here is the work right. They would send your paperwork on to the plan that cultural to fund the, the funding then. 
Southgate Associates. They're down in Milton. Southgate? Southgate. He's the engineer. Southgate and Associates. Chris Southgate. Chris Southgate is the man, yeah. Well, he was my engineer, but the head person in charge of all this is up in uh, at Lawn. That's the head place of the um, Heritage Council. And their number there is 56 that's the headquarters of the Heritage Council of Ireland. And please give us that number again, Donald, if you don't mind, the headquarters of the Heritage Council of Ireland in Athlone. The number again, if you could. 056 777 main reason in contacting us is that you'd like to let farmers know that this scheme exists and there's a very short time to apply, have to apply in January, you can't apply after January. There's a closed date, they will tell you from the headquarters in that lawn, they will tell you when the scheme opens and closes. Well thank you very much indeed Mr Donald Hurley, a dairy farmer in Dunmanway in West Cork, talking to us about the Heritage Council of Ireland revival of old building scheme and this is for farmers in gloss, you say the basic qualification is you must be in gloss but you found it rather you know a lot of work but you found it satisfying in the end and even though your building was a total wreck in actual fact the stonework came out beautiful the stonework had persisted the stonework was good and you were able to rehabilitate the building yes yes it's there to be seen plain and said the main road john he's in a place called shannacrand and manway it's on the side of the bantry line at shannacrand and manway the old creamery is closed. Talk of creamery at the branch there, but that's closed down now. It's very close today. And uh, we understand on the farm programme that uh, one person whom you could contact to find out more about the restoration of old stone buildings used for agriculture or with some agricultural connection, the contact there would be Christopher Southgate. That's Christopher Southgate of Southgate and Associates in Middleton, and their number is uh, 021. 021- Four five seven zero seven one seven. That's o two one four five seven zero seven one seven. Christopher Southgate of Southgate Associates in Middleton. For more information regarding the Heritage Council scheme for the offering of grants in the case of uh, older buildings. And uh, earlier, the farmer we spoke to is Mr. Donald Hurley, dairy farmer, Dunmanway in West Cork, and he has himself become involved with the Heritage Council of Ireland building restoration, and he points out farmers to get involved must be in the glass scheme. But uh, thank you very much indeed, Mr. Donald Hurley, Dunmanway, for your input, and hopefully farmers listening will perhaps uh, consider joining this scheme to avoid uh, beautiful buildings going into rack and ruin. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk program, Mr. Cahill McCarthy, ICMSA Irish Creamery Milk Suppliers Association Press Officer. Cahill, welcome to the program. Now, you have an invitation for all ICMSA members to a very important upcoming event. The ICMSA AGM is being held the 29th of November in the South Court Hotel in Raheen and we have Antisha Clea Varadkar, we have Minister Creed uh, from McCroom, we have Pat McCormack obviously speaking with them. Um, we have the RTE broadcaster, Philip Boucher-Hayes. We are going to have a, a roundtable discussion on calf welfare. This is in light of the what, what the pundits are calling the 2020 calf tsunami. So we're going to have around 11, a quarter to 12 in the morning, we are going to have Joe Burke of Borbia, Laura Boyle of Chagosk, Martin Ryan, who, who's the head of Glambia Beef, and Conor Garrity of Veterinary Ireland are, are all going to be contributing to that. And that, will, uh, that debate will be emceed by Martin Cochran, who's the MART correspondent for the Farming Independent. If spaces are limited, so if you're thinking of coming, give us a ring at 061-314-677. We particularly do want to invite the Cork members and call the email address for people to register and give an indication of numbers. That email address is info, I-N-F-O, at I-C-M-S-A dot I-E. That's info at I-C-M-S-A dot I-E. The telephone number again, John, is 061-314-677. And those are office hours, obviously. Is it open just to members? It's uh, members only. Can I take this opportunity, John, if you wouldn't mind, just to give uh, pass my sympathies on to Dominic Cronin, a very prominent member of North Cork ICMSA, who's, uh, who unfortunately his father passed uh, last week. So I'd like to convey my, my condolences to Dominic. And certainly we would endorse those comments and add our condolences on behalf of the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Colin McCarthy, Press Officer for ICMSA, the Irish Creamery Milk Supplier Association. Thank you, Carl, and we were referring there to the ICMSA 209th Annual General Meeting AGM venue, South Court Hotel, Raheen Limerick, 29th of November, starting 10.30am. Carl, thank you very much indeed. Joining us on the farm programme, Mr. Richard White, PRO for the West Cork Ploughing Association. Richard, welcome to the programme. You have an update now on ploughing results and any forthcoming matches. Uh, thank you very much, John. And um, I suppose our season really began on, on last Sunday with the, the novice match, which was held here in, in Cork West. And um, it was held on Sunday last, uh, November the 17th, on the lands of Tom and Liz Nahin at Cashless Clitonic Guilty uh, by their kind permission. Uh, where the conditions on the day were very good and the underground conditions were very good, so it was an ideal ideal setting for the match. And um, uh, thanks to Cork West and I suppose the Tonic Guilty Club to what a major input in, in the organising of the event. Uh, there was a strong turnout of competitors with uh, five taking part in the conventional class and three in the reversible class. Uh, the judges from South Prairie, Larry Bergen and John O'Brien, were high in their praise of the standard of ploughing and with the number of young competitors. And the results are as follows. Uh, two for a conventional. First, Noel Nahan. Second, James Jennings. Third, Donna O'Driscoll. Fourth, Sean Walsh. 
and fifth, James Downey. In the reversible class, first was Daniel Tobin, second, Caroline O'Driscoll, and third, Eno Farrell. So those results mean that uh, Noel Nahin and Daniel Tobin will represent Cork West in their respective classes there uh, at the All-Ireland in Ploughing in Carlo next September. So the, the first two members of the team are, are picked at this stage. So uh, it was a great day out and everybody, a very enjoyable day. And um, I suppose that completes our plan for 2019. And uh, our next match then will be starting 2020 with McCroom on the 5th of January and Bandon on the 12th of January. Thank you very much indeed, Mr Richard White, PRO for the Cork West Ploughing Association. If we aren't going to speak again until the new year, we'll take this opportunity of wishing you all the season's greetings for the Christmas festivities and the New Year festivities. But we look forward to talking to you again early in the new year when the new year starts up the ploughing year of 2020. Wishing you many happy times and many good wishes for Christmas and uh, thank you and yourself for all your help throughout the year. We can rely on you to give uh, up-to-date reports from the West Cork region. Let's hope everything goes smoothly for us over the Christmas and New Year period. Joining us, Mr Philip Cotter, PRO for the Cork East Ploughing Association. Philip, you're hoping that Kilbrin will go ahead tomorrow. They're planning to go ahead on tomorrow, Sunday. But in the meantime, results from the most recent match at Two Pot House. So, uh, Two Pot House results. Uh, we had a fantastic day out, perfect weather uh, conditions, nice turnout as regards competitors, and a superb size field. So everybody enjoys, I think. And these are the results from Tupper House. In the senior open, first, Michael Linehan, second, Michael Hannon, and third, Billy Tarrant. In the under-28, first, Jamie Hayes. The intermediate, first, Don Hannell. The farmer race, first, Orla Hayes. And the vintage, two-fuller trailer class, Andrew Smith. The vintage two for a mountain class, first Tambo Zang, second Ray Clancy, and third Phelan Puffer. The vintage single for a class, first Trevor Fleming. In the reversible two for a class, first Paddy Harrington. And in the three for a match class, first Jim Barris, and second Eddie Hannon. And those are the results from Tupper House last Sunday, John. And as I said, we have a fantastic day, weather-wise, uh, size-wise, and turnout as regards competitive numbers. So, uh, back to Kilbrain, they are going ahead, and they're going again, like us all, at 11 o'clock sharp for a start, because of the conditions and weather and everything else could catch you in the evenings. Anybody wishing to plow in Kilbrain on tomorrow Sunday, We'll be getting in contact with Willie Stokes, and his number is 087-2672-910. That's Willie Stokes, 087-267-2910, before 5 p.m. this evening. And uh, get their names in, so the draw will be made tonight, and they'll have their numbers tomorrow morning. So that's Kilbring. John, alongside the village... Just actually, just beyond the houses in the village of Kilbrin. So, anybody coming from Malasai will probably come up by Longville. And the boys coming from the Limerick side know where they're coming from, how they're turned off themselves. So, 
that's mostly John, 11 o'clock tomorrow at Kilbrain, and hopefully the other one be too bad. Thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Philip Cotter, PRO for the Cork East Ploughing Association. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr. Joe Healy, IFA National President. Joe, welcome to the programme. Good news for beef prices. What exactly is this Board B a price index and why should farmers feel they are due an increase immediately? Okay, well, that's I think that's the key thing, uh, John, uh, is to get that good news from the price index translated into an actually an actual price increase for farmers. And the IFA has called for that now this week that farmers need and the factories can give a price increase immediately because what this price index uh, shows is uh, that there's a 17 cent per kilo gap between the European prime beef and the Irish prime beef, and that has opened up over the last few weeks. Um, This is the first full version of the the price index, and it has been a priority for IFA for some time to get this price index out there because what it does is it brings greater transparency to the sector and it gives a clear analysis of the market facts to the farmers. And I suppose when it does that, it gets us away from the misinformation that's out there and particularly over the last few months. I suppose we could say that what... um, the biggest negative there at the moment uh, in the cattle trade is the backlog of cattle. It puts the factories in a strong position because I spoke to five agents uh, during the week and each of the five of them said that every farmer ringing them with cattle to sell, the, for, the key question is, can you, kill the, can you get them slaughtered this week for me? It's not the question that it should be and that should be what price and I need more than that. The market is returning more than that. That's what this index will arm them with. But unfortunately, there is the backlog there. We've gone from a situation early in the summer where there was 45,000 extra cattle killed to a situation now where there's a backlog of between 60 and 70,000 cattle uh, there in the system. And we need to get those cleared up. And um, we need to get that price increase because it's crucial. Farm Beef farmers are on their knees they need that price increase. They need it immediately. And the market's around. And, and this market, uh, this beef price index, John, was based on the six European countries that we send 90% of our beef to. And they involve the UK, France, Italy, Germany, Holland, and Sweden. So it's a very good index to have. And it's crucial that we translate that into a price increase. Is there any indication at all, Joe, about how soon the backlog might be cleared? Are we seeing steady progress or is it uh, literally a total uh, logjam? It's unfortunate that we as farmers are caught in this situation that, you know, if we prevent cattle being killed for a day or a week or whatever, well, the bottom line is that they don't leave the country. Uh, they don't, they're not exported live out of the country. They remain in the system and when we get back to normal killing, they're still in the system. But what they're doing then is creating a logjam. And that's just what we've seen now. And, you know, despite the fact that there was over 39,000 cattle killed last week, and that's really, you know, in the high 90s when it comes to the capacity of the factories to kill, uh, to, kill to slaughter cattle. Um, but, you know, what we need is uh, slaughterings per week of kind of plus 40 to get to get rid of some of those cattle uh, from the 60 to 70,000 head that's there in, uh, in, the, in the back stream. How up-to-date will the price information be on the onboard BIA price index? Uh, you know, we're now yeah. in November. It's a very good question, John. Um, 
very straightforward to answer. It's updated every week, so those prices are very, very recent. They're very current prices. Borbia will be updating it every week. And as I said, this is the first version, and I would urge farmers to download it. It's easily downloaded from the Borbia website. And if there are any suggestions that farmers, that beef farmers would feel that would improve the 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 farmer-friendly reading of it uh, or, and understanding of it will then by all means make those suggestions to either Borbia or indeed to any um, IFA officer and we can pass the messages through um, you know, to Borbia because it's very important that farmers find this uh, beef price index easy to understand, easy to follow and it, because, as I said, it's, it's very current, it's updated weekly and it gives the farmers, it brings the transparency there and, you know, thankfully at the moment, the trajectory in the prices is up the way. It's positive. What we need immediately is that turn to be turned into the price being paid to the farmer. More and more we're getting the transparency that will enable farmers know what they're talking about when they demand an increase and they'll have lots of uh, backup uh, support, crucially, from this analysis by Onboardbia, their price index. Yeah, and, and look, there, John, it's like any market index. They move up and down from week to week. Thankfully, at the moment, it's positive. But there will be weeks it will be negative as well. But, you know, I think all we want as farmers, and I'm a farmer myself, and all we ever want is transparency in the sector, transparency of the markets. And this transparency will remove all the misinformation uh, because farmers will be able to double-check on the, off the website what the markets are paying. And, like, if we go back to last July at our National Council meeting, uh, and our staff person gave a very in-depth analysis um, and factual assessment of where the markets were. And at that time, it showed that the UK were only slightly ahead of us along with Italy. Then you had France and Spain that were very similar to the prices we were getting. And you had Germany and Poland that were well behind us at that stage. So it was as obvious as day follows night that the marketplace at that time wasn't going to return a price increase for beef. And I think history has proven that to be very accurate because we still find ourselves now at the price that we were back then. Um, and that's not helped by the logjam. But now we see that the prices in those countries has moved on over the last few weeks. And now's the time uh, where we're justified in going looking for a price increase from the factories. And it's imperative that the factories pass on that price increase because, you know, just to put it in perspective, if you take uh, that 17 cent per kilo on a 400 kilo animal, that's four sevens, 28, that's 68 euros per head on an animal. That can be the difference between a profit and a loss for the farmer selling that animal because the profit lines, the profit margins are pretty tight at the best of time on, on beef farms. The byproduct market indicator, the so-called fifth quarter, it seems illogical, but you know there are four quarters in a unit. But this is the fifth quarter: hides, offals, and very valuable byproducts like tongues of cows for Japan, etc. Well, it, it, it is, um, you know, and there has been a lot of talk about the the fifth quarter and uh, over the last number of months, and indeed we've constantly highlighted it as well. In, in the IFA and you know uh, it depends on who you were listening to there could be every sort of a, 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 what do I, a price uh, a value put on the fifth quarter for this exercise the, in the Borbia index they have put that at 29 cent a kilo um, now that's using the US values uh, they've uh, 
you know, because the US figure is really the only figure we have. But having said that, offal is traded globally. Uh, it's a globally traded product, and the US values are as good as what we could, uh, as an indicator, as what's, uh, as what's out there. And I suppose there's two types. There's the red offal, and the red offal includes products uh, like the heart and the liver, the tail, the tongue. And then you have uh, a white offal, and that includes... Uh, pieces of the animal like the tripe and the fats etc so it's valued at 29 cent per kilo and it's built into the whole price and i think that's fairly obvious from from what you see there um on on, on the index when you download it from the board website you know and you know it, it's to track the overall trends in the in the beef cattle the wholesale the retail the fifth quarter and the market price in the countries, as I said, the six countries that we export 90% of our beef to. Bull calves from the Frisian herd, that's something which has to be faced and uh, people now know it's a problem and they're trying to discuss it. They are, and look, I think, you know, the live exports of the good calf is, is the, the good uh, bull calf from the Frisian herd is, is essential. Uh, the IFA would have done a lot of work on that over the years, and two years ago we got the export levy reduced by 50%. So instead of being something around 780, now it's only, or 760, now it's 380. And that's worth uh, up close to 1,100 euros a load on each load of calves. And that makes our calves competitive on the markets in the various countries, whether that's Germany or Spain or wherever else, uh, the Netherlands that we send our calves. And, you know, they go to uh, veal units over there and it's crucial that our calves are well looked after and that they arrive there healthy because, you know, that. and I think the calves that we have exported have a great reputation and that's why in the last two years we've gone, I think, from about 100,000 calves up to 150,000 calves and this year in 2019 we have exported 200,000 calves because the exporters will tell you that the purchasers in the European countries, they like the Irish calf and they find them very healthy and well looked after and they thrive when they get there. So it's very important that we continue to build on those uh, live exports as well. Farmers are encouraged to attend IFA branch meetings and vote for the next president and these branch meetings are taking place across the nation from next Monday onwards, concluding on Friday, December 13th. There are three candidates running for president and uh, I suppose, you know, for the local person there in Cork, it's John Coughlin and in alphabetical order, then we have Tim Cullinan from Tipperary and Angus Woods from Wicklow. And for the deputy candidates, we have Thomas Cooney and Brian Rush uh, running for that. And it's great to see people interested in giving of their time to an organisation um, because, you know, we have 72,000 members. We have increased our membership uh, numbers over the last two to three years. And I think, you know, the delivery um, that IFA has we, we were going through it the other day and 600 million euros we have added to um, the to new schemes and as top-ups to existing schemes over the last three to four years. And, you know, to achieve 600 million against the backdrop of all the demands that's there for it, whether it's the hospital waiting lists, whether it's, you know, Brexit uh, reinforcement. And, you know, the, the money that we've got for farmers includes the 100 million in the beam, the 
there was uh, 40 million in a beep two, 20 million in beep one, 80 million in sheep. But in total, um, whether it was glass, tans, dairy, horticulture, there was 600 million delivered for Irish farmers in the last three and a half to four years. And I think what the farmers need is a strong organisation uh, that's strong in Ireland and strong in Brussels. We have an office in Brussels. What we need is the president to get a good mandate. So I would urge people to just go to the meetings, have your say, vote and, you know, ask whatever questions you want to ask. But I think it's very important that we get a good turnout. You can go in and vote and go home or you can go in and attend the meeting, whatever way the local branch is organising it. And there will be 947 uh, branches that will be meeting over the next two months. So you won't have too far to travel. And I think it's very important that you go out and vote as well, because, you know, if you take the challenges that are there, whether it's climate change, Brexit, the cap, the rollover of cap, the international trade deals and farmers' incomes. There are a lot of challenges there. We need a strong organisation to fight those challenges and deliver the types of money that I've spoken about there to Irish farmers. Thank you very much indeed for taking our call. Mr Joe Healy, IFA National President. Thank you, Joe, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. And that's our programme for this morning. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to John Foot and Controls and to you, the listener, for tuning in. Have an enjoyable weekend. Some interviews have had to be held back due to pressure on space, but these will be broadcast on Wednesday between 10pm and 11pm in the midweek edition of the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme. Thanks for listening. Dairy Gold Agri, your solution to all your farm needs. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.